0: But look at verse number 12. The Bible says that he that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor. And we talked about it last week. That's whom we're supposed to love, right? The Lord said, Love thy neighbor as you love yourself. But a man of understanding holdeth his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets. But he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. He that is a surety for a stranger shall smart for it, and he that hateth suretyship is sure. <laughs> That's a tough one for me to read. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and a strong man retain riches. The merciful man doth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth to his own death. They that are a froward heart are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be punished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight, Lord, thankful Lord, just for a peaceful atmosphere this evening. God, it has not been high octane. It has not been high energy. Lord, sometimes you just need to sit down and be calm. Just sit still for a little bit. Be reminded that there is peace with the Lord. But well, I'm so thankful tonight, Lord, that I don't have to run off my emotions. Lord, every day doesn't have to be a high and exciting on fire and fervency. Lord, there's just some times where we go, where well, you just let us rest for a little bit. But I show I'm thankful, Lord, for my physical rest. God, I'm also thankful, Lord, where you just calm our spirits. And let, Lord, just remind us, Lord, that there is peace with you. There's tranquility. Things are at ease. We ask you, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just work in our hearts. Take the word of God. Lord, let it be real to us tonight. Lord, let it be more than just words on paper. Let it be the truth of God for our hearts and for our lives tonight. God, make it personal to us. Lord, help us to see our hearts and our lives in the midst of what we're going to preach tonight. I pray, Lord, you hide behind the cross of Calvary, Lord, you empty out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the Spirit of God. Lord, you make preaching, God, what you desire desire to be this evening. And Lord, as I've asked many times, Lord, I need your help and I need your touch. Lord, they don't need to hear what I have to say. They need to hear from heaven tonight. Lord, let me just be a mouthpiece used for your glory. Lord, we love you, we thank you. And we'll give you the glory, we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. When you preach Sunday morning and you preach Sunday night and you preach Wednesday night and you teach Sunday school and sometimes you preach in between there, sometimes things that i'm studying and and things that i'm 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 going through they all just become get mashed together right it's like that one can of play-doh that picks up all the scraps right you got all the different colors in there and sometimes they match up and sometimes they one leads into the other or you know i find myself repeating what i taught here and and preached here and the one person or the one group and it happens that way sometimes but we've been going through in our sunday school class with the young people about God's plan and God's method and God's way of dating and preparing for a someday, right? Preparing for a spouse someday. And what do you do today to prepare for that someday? And our last lesson we've been talking about is how the world has a model for dating. The world has a model for finding the right spouse. You have to go out there and find them. You have to go out there and look for them. And God's model is you go find God and let God lead you to them, you don't have to go find them, you don't have to go look for them, you just trust God, you follow God and God will lead you exactly where you need to be. And that's not just in, in the spousal uh, area of life. That is the Christian life in general. Learn to follow God and God will lead you exactly where you need to be. Now, sometimes you won't always know the left or the right in the immediate time and sometimes you won't always know 10 years from now. But I guarantee you, if you follow God and you at the best of your ability, by faith, trust him and trust his word, he'll always get you exactly where you need to be. We were talking about this, me and my wife were talking about this uh, last night, how, how different our lives could have been if just a few things had changed. If a few uh, life choices, not just on our behalf, but on our parents' behalf, had been a little bit different. If my dad had took that, 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 that next, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, not, not shift, but the next uh, duty station there in Washington State when I was in middle school. We moved out of Georgia and 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 I never met Miss Becky and, and all of that. It's amazing how you realize how God, the whole time before you realize he's been working things out, before you even knew him, before you were even his child, he was working things together that you might come to a place where you'd hear about, aren't you glad tonight that God has a salvation that he wants you to hear about? And he's put things in your life and he's allowed you to get a certain place where you can hear the gospel and make the choice for yourself. Will I trust him or will I turn him away? But God's model in the world's model, there are no similarities there. And as we go through verses 12 through 21 tonight, you're going to see a bunch of opposites being compared to each other one side and the other. And see, we don't even really realize a lot of times how, I don't want to say we're, how brainwashed we are, but how how uh, uh, influenced we are by the world's model. We, we've we grown up in it. We've It's been portrayed in books and television, the radio. Every avenue that comes into our heart, into our mind, the world has been shoving its model into our life, whether we realize or not, it does it through cartoons, does it through movies, adult movies, kids' movies. That world's model is being forced upon us before we realize there's some things we probably hold to that we don't even realize that we hold to that are not god's model but they're the world's model i'm gonna make a statement tonight and you just just nod your head if you've ever heard it before you ready opposites what attract right we've all heard that now magnetically speaking right? Electrons and neutrons, we know that to be true. You you get a negative and a positive, they're attracted one to another. But how many of you know that we normally don't use that just talking about magnetics? We talk about relationships, don't we? That opposites attract, right? Two completely polar opposite people are somehow going to be slapped together because opposites attract. I challenge you tonight, give me chapter and verse on that. Give not even try to give me a Bible principle that says opposites attract. Matter of fact, Paul said it this way, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Those are two polar opposites, aren't they? And they're not to be attracted together. Right. And here's the thing. Realistically speaking, it is not the opposite of your spouse or the person that has your admiration that attracts you to them. There is a similarity there that both of you agree on that brings you closer together or, or, or pushes you towards each other. It's not an opposite that attracts one another. Now, too, that you're saying, brother Tate or preacher, you're saying that we're all the same. No, we're completely different people. Right, me and my wife are two completely different people. We have different personalities. We have we have different likes. We have different dislikes. But it is not the opposites that draw us together. Right, it is the similarities, the things that we agree on that draw us together. Matter of fact, the Bible says things that disagree or opposite, you can't build anything on that. Right, things that are agreed or alike, that's what you build your life on. In these verses, we're gonna see some opposites and the goal isn't to bring them together. Right, the goal isn't to have a little bit of this opposite and a little bit of that opposite and try to mix it because preacher, opposites attract. That's not true when it comes to the Word of God. Right? The Bible teaches over and over again that we're to be separated from one thing and separated unto God Himself. And so we, we gotta realize tonight that, and I want to ask, I want to preach on this talk tonight. What opposite are you attracted to? What opposite are? you attracted to tonight. We're gonna to see it. I've got four opposites tonight that we see here in Proverbs chapter number 11, verses 12 through 21, and you're gonna ask yourself out of the two opposites, right, they're polar opposites. They don't agree with each other. They're on different sides of the spectrum, but which one are you drawn to? Or which one do you identify with more? Notice number one, we see an opposite concerning speech. We see an opposite concerning speech. Go down to verse number 11. Tonight, it says, but, excuse me, verse number 12, excuse me. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of the faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Verse number 11, or excuse me, verse number 12, we see a man of understanding. Verse number 13, we see a talebearer. Here's the thing, the man of understanding is identified by what he holds on to. Right, the tail bearer is identified by what they let go of or what they let out from their mouth. They are two opposites. And you have to, which one of these am I attracted to? See, that's, that's the thing about Bible preaching. That sometimes it, 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 it gets all up in your grits. <laughs> I remember hearing Brother Kenny Baldwin preach. He said, I'm not here tonight to get into your business, but I'm here tonight to get all up in your business. Right, the reality is when you begin to take the Bible line upon line, precept upon precept, right, you don't have to go through a, a schedule and, and say, so, well, it is it is now September 6th. Uh, according to my calendar in my office, the theme of the service tonight should be whatever it may be. I don't have a calendar in there. I don't have a book sent to me from some higher up saying, all right, on September 6th, you have to preach on this theme. But it's amazing as you go through the word of God how God always lines things up exactly where it need to be. But we're seeing tonight that there's a opposite concerning speech. There is one who holds on and there's one that lets go. Right? The man of understanding, he's identified, he holds his peace in verse number 12. He said, a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Now that doesn't mean he was carrying a concealed weapon. It's not the peace that we're talking about here tonight. But rather he's talking about his thoughts and, 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 and he, he has the, the knowledge of what to say, but he has the wisdom not to say it. He holds his peace. In essence, when he is in the surrounding, when, when that environment has, has come around him and there's people saying and talking, going back and forth, gossip, slander, whatever it may be, evil speaking, evil communications, whatever it may be, he understands that if I keep quiet, I won't be charged with it. Here's the thing, when you don't don't join in in it, you don't have to worry about it getting back to the person you said it about. If you don't say anything at all, it can't get back to them. We realize that the Bible said a man of understanding understands that that just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean that I have to. Just like my mama told me, if everybody else jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? I always ask, how high is it? (laughs) What kind of water's underneath it, Mom? But he, he he holds his peace, and then it, the Bible says in verse uh, number thirteen, a faithful spirit concealeth the matter, conceal the matter. In essence, he doesn't let out what has been told to him in confidence or in confidentiality. Right, that's that someone has come to him and it's, it's, it's normally a, a negative thing, it's a problem, it's an issue, it's a it's a struggle, it's a it's a it's a it's a mishap, it's a mistake, and they, they come to you and they say, Well, how can I fix this? What should I do? and and, and all of those kind of things. And the wise man, the person of understanding, right, the 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 the, the man of understanding will step back and say, Well right, that's between me and them. It's not to go out anywhere else. Right, it's not about anyway. In essence, if you were to walk by my office and you see me in there and I'm counseling with somebody and I'm talking to them and we get done and and they leave out of my office, the worst thing you can do is say, "Preacher, what was that all about?" I'm gonna give you a whole big fat none of your business, because really, it's not. <laughs> and the same thing is true. I'm not gonna come into your house and be like, "So, what'd you and your wife talk about last night?" <laughs> right? Because really, it's none of my business. But we see or not that a man of understanding, he concealeth the matter. Now, understand that if there's a crime being committed, right? If there's, there, there's something that is punishable by the law, it needs to be told. It needs to be told to the proper authority. I'm not saying that you hide those kind of things tonight, but the, the wise man understands that, that it, it is not a, it's, not a, it's not a good characteristic. It's not a good quality to have to be somebody who takes something that told you in confidence and spread it all around. Matter of fact, when I counsel anybody when it comes to marriage counseling prior to them getting married, I always tell them if there's issues between you and your spouse, it needs to be worked out between you and your spouse. If you can't work it out, then you need to find somebody who you have confidence in that you know you can bring this issue to them and it doesn't go out. I said the worst thing you can do is drag your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, your cousin, Facebook into it. The best thing you can do is learn to work those things out amongst yourself. We see the man of understanding here. He holds his peace. He knows when to bite his tongue. Oh, preacher, my tongue doesn't need to be bit. Well, you don't have the same tongue that every other human being has. <laughs> go, go ask James what he thought about the tongue. And he didn't say, oh, it's a wonderful member of the body. <laughs> it's the best thing God ever, that, 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 that I've ever been given. He said, no, it's, it's, it's on fire from hell. It needs to be dealt with. But he holds his peace. He conceals a matter. So the man of understanding, his opposite is this. He, he is identified by what he holds in. Right, he, he's not running his mouth. He's not, uh, the, he's the opposite of who we're fixing to get in the tail bearer. Right, the tail bearer. Look at verse number 13. The tail bearer revealeth secrets. And nine times out of 10, they're not theirs. Right, but I, I read a commentary and I was like, ooh, that's, that's pretty much right. Uh, he, they said the tail bearer is, is so consumed with revealing secrets that if they don't have anybody else's secret to reveal, they'll reveal their own just so they can talk. Right, and the Bible says that's unwise. Right, it's the opposite of, here's the wise, the understanding says, you know what? I don't have to say anything. <laughs> I, that, that, I, don't, I, don't, I, I got two cents, but it ain't gonna change the equation. Right, whereas the tailbearer says, oh, I gotta tell somebody. I gotta tell somebody. You ever have one of these, these conversations? Listen, they told me not to tell nobody. And now you can't go tell nobody what I'm about to tell you because they told me not to tell nobody. Can I say you need to get in the habit of saying, well, just don't tell me then. Just don't tell me then. But preacher, I got to know, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) You're going to go find that person and say, listen, I know you told them not to tell nobody, but they told me. And so now I'm coming back to tell you, it don't work that way. (laughs) You're not going to accomplish nothing. Right here, they they reveal their own, just have something to say. Verse number uh, 12 tells us they are void of wisdom, right, void of wisdom. In essence, something that is void, It is. there's no use to it, it is, it's missing, it lacks its ability to be what it's supposed to be. Just in essence, if you take a check, right, if you write, you can write anything on a check, right, and, and it can be as much as you want it to be until you write VOID on it, that means it's absolutely no good anymore. And the Bible says that a man and a person right, is, is consumed with, with going from one person and getting a secret and revealing it to another person and revealing it to another person. The Bible doesn't say nowhere near is that near wisdom. It's void of it. It's an unwise thing. And the Bible goes on to say that these talebearers despise their neighbors. He is void of wisdom, verse 12, he, uh, despiseth his neighbor, right? In essence, he would be okay with their neighbor failing. Just so they could have something to say. Just, just so they could go share it with somebody. <laughs> and we see, and I wish tonight, that it, I wish I could say it's, it's just a problem in the pews, it's a problem in the pulpit, it's a problem in just general Christianity altogether. Right, and I think a lot of times it's because it appeals to our flesh, right? We, we like something juicy because that's, that's, that's the model that we've grown up in, right? There, there, there's whole companies Right, whole publishing companies and, and media companies that their whole business plan is to find out secrets about people and sell it to the public. That's, what we're, that's why when I was growing up, you know the most interesting thing to me in the grocery store? It wasn't the ice cream aisle that was highly interesting. It wasn't the cereal aisle because I knew my mom wasn't going to let me get none of the good stuff. It was that little thing right before the checkout they got those tabloid magazines. Boy, I've been looking for Elvis and UFOs. (laughs) All those, I mean, I'd be all, Mom! Mom, did you read that about Princess Diana? She was actually, she was actually Tyrannosaurus Rex. (laughs) Pretty funny, isn't it, Miss Bailey? Right, but that's what we're we're groomed to. Right, that's what we're accustomed to. When the Bible says that kind of mentality is void of wisdom. It's void of wisdom. Let me ask you now, are you known, as, which one are you known as? Which opposite are you attracted to? Are you identified by? Do people come to you because they know you'll have a secret to reveal? Or do you go find the people and say, listen, y'all, I just got off the phone with so-and-so, y'all ain't going to believe what they just told me. We see an opposite concerning speech. Notice number two tonight, we see an opposite concerning counsel. We see an opposite concerning counsel. Look at verse number 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Once again, we see an opposite. We see no counsel. And then on the other side, we see multiple counselors or many counselors or a great number of counselors compared to no counsel, right? So it's an opposite. Ask yourself, which one am I attracted to tonight? No counsel or the multitude of counselors. And we see two results, right? No counsel leads to what? Failure. Bible says right there in verse number 14 where no counsel is what the people fall. And then we see where there's a multitude of counselors. There's what? There's safety, right? There's safety, there's satisfaction. That word counsel means direction. It means guidance. It means good advice. Not just advice from any old person, but good advice, trusted advice, uh, settled advice, wise advice. Those who never seek good advice. uh, Those who, or excuse me, those never seek good advice, ask for directions, or desire the right guidance are bound to fail. Right, not just them, but the mouths of the people too—the people following them will fail. One of the most dangerous lies that you can believe about yourself is that you know all the answers. I know it all, preacher. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't know. Any, you don't know half of it, amen. But one of the, that's one of the most dangerous things. And that's your mentality. Like, I don't need nobody I'll live the Christian life all by myself. I got everything figured out. I don't need nobody else. You're bound to fall. You're bound to failure. Why, preacher? Because you don't know everything. I'm thankful for the men of God that God has allowed me to cross paths with some that are multiple decades older than me and then some that are that are closer to my age but they've been in it longer than I have that are willing to share advice with me and willing to, to help me and I call what do you do about this and what do you do about that and how would you handle this because and, 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 I come to a place, I don't always know the answer and sometimes I feel like I don't know the answer more than I do know the answer that's where counsel comes in. Good advice, direction, guidance. Notice here we see the multitude of counselors. And if you, don't have, if you have no counsel, you're going to fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Now, what that verse does not mean is you, you keep asking people until you find somebody that tells you what you want to be told. Right? That's not counsel. That's, that's cherry-picking the results. The reality is when you go and seek good, counsel from good godly men or good godly ladies in your life and you ask them no questions you'll find out that there's a common thread from good advice right they they agree on on, on similar things and from that line you can say well, all right here's what i need to do right because all the good advice is pointing in one direction it's not you find somebody to agree with and don't put it on facebook <laughs> why wow, preacher facebook's wonderful it's a blessing I always love when someone says, you know, Facebook's a wonderful thing. Why? Because my family can keep up with me. They can keep up with me. They can can see everything I'm doing. They can see what I ate for dinner last night. Speaking from a person who has a family, I really don't care. (laughs) I'm just glad you ate. I'm glad you survived, amen. But we see here that multi-cannies, don't put it on Facebook and just ask anybody for spiritual advice. I don't know even know what it says on Facebook anymore as far as you know, you type in your status and it always just says, what were you thinking or something like that. Sometimes we don't need to know. Right? We don't need to know. And sometimes the worst thing you can do is, is, is ask a spiritual question because you'll ask a spiritual question and before you know it, you won't get an answer because everybody in your comments is just debating one another. Every time I start reading that, man, I, I, I get to chuckle on the something, Oh, yeah, they're showing them all right. Oh, they're fixing to straighten them out. Oh, yeah, they're fixing to change them out and it never happens. Right, but rather it's going to people that you know are godly. They have that lifestyle. They have that understanding. They have that testimony. And, not, and the best thing you can do is surround yourself with people that are wiser than you. Right, people that are smarter than you. People that have, uh, have done it longer than you have. And learn to surround you and learn learn to allow those people to influence your life and influence your decisions and, and to teach you the right way. Because in the multitude of counselors, there is Safety. Right, and you'll notice that common thread or direction. A wise man isn't one who thinks they know the answer, but it's one who knows how to find the answer. My soccer coach, he was from Jamaica, and uh, he moved to America in his early twenties, and uh, he had, he had a way with words, and he had sayings, and all this different kind of stuff, and, and you know, he had an accent that just made it everything better. Right, we nicknamed we a kid on the team Banana, just so he would say Banana. <laughs> and he refused to do it until the last game of his senior year. But he had a saying, and it was across his, his, his whiteboard in his classroom. He taught an automotive class. And it said, he that thinks he knows that knows not that he knows doesn't know anything. <laughs> it, was, it was something along those lines. And I remember sitting and reading, what in the world? And then he finally explained to me, he said that he that knows but knows not that he knows is a fool. You know, stay away from, but he that knows not that he knows, but is willing to find out what he needs to know (laughs) is a wise man. I remember just uh, y'all Jamaicans. (laughs) Right, but there's the need for counsel, the opposite side. Preacher, I got it. I'm good. I'm good. Really, I'm just asking you, preacher, for your your input because that's what you told me I'm supposed to do, but I'm not really going to heed it. Right, or you know what? I don't know everything. Let me find somebody that does. Let me ask them questions. Let me get in the multitude of counselors. There is safety, right? A wise man isn't one, isn't one who thinks they know the answer, but one who knows how to find the answer. Let me ask you, if I were to ask you this question, who in here knows what slope-intercept form is? The equation for slope-intercept form, right? We're all looking at it like, i nah, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. It's algebra, Y equals MX plus B. Slope intercept form. I think that's what it was at least. But we're all here like, man, preacher, we, we don't know. Now, if I were to go down the math hall of your local high school and say, hey, what is slope intercept form? There would be teacher after teacher after teacher say, I know exactly what that is. And the same thing is true in your life, right? Don't ask a question to someone who doesn't know the answer in the sense, or, or surround yourself with people that have no idea what they're talking Find people that you know, hey, they, they have an understanding here. They, they, they've studied it. They've lived it. I need to ask them questions. We see opposites of counsel. The no counselor, multitude of counselors. Which opposite concerning counsel describes you best? Notice number three tonight. We see an opposite concerning pledges. We see an opposite concerning pledges. Look at verse number 15. I'm going to try to read it five times fast. He that is a surety for a stranger shall smart for it, and he that hateth surety is sure. sure suretyship is sure, right? I, I can't do it five times fast. I feel like I'm reading a Dr. Seuss book, right? You, I, I read that verse, I, Lord. What in the world are you talking about? I know Solomon's wise, but this don't make no sense, Lord. Right? He that is a surety for a stranger shall smart for it, and he that hateth suretyship is sure, right? That word surety means to pledge or, to in essence, it's to co-sign for or to help somebody solve somebody else's problem. That word smart for it means you'll be hurt, right? It means done wrong. So we see two examples here, two opposites, right? Here is one person who is, who is what's the Bible call it? They are, uh, uh, verse number 15, he that is a surety, right? He, he's, he's a surety for everybody, not just people that he knows, but even for strangers, right? He's, he's attempting or they're attempting to solve everybody else's problems, right? The Bible says when you become that person, Right? It says, for a stranger so smart for it. it, it never ends well. Right? But then you have the opposite side of here, and they hate a surety ship. In essence, I ain't co-signing for nobody. <laughs> Can I give you some advice my dad gave me when I was growing up? He told me very plain. He said, Tate, don't you ever co-sign for anybody. Not me, not, not your brother, not your sister, nobody. Don't co-sign for nobody. Then he went and co-signed for somebody. It didn't, it didn't work out for him. We see the first that, the right, the person always fixes everybody else's problem. And it's one thing to be a blessing. I'm not saying sit over here cold-hearted. I'm not helping nobody. I'm not encouraging nobody. The Bible says when it's in the power of the hand to help somebody, right? But you gotta realize you can't fix everybody's problems. You, you can't be everybody's surety in that sense. You can't solve everything for everybody. And when you begin to try to do that, it will become a, a burden to you. It'll become something that hurts and something that is discouraging to you. And sometimes the hardest thing you'll ever have to do is tell somebody, no, that is your problem to solve. I can't fix it for you. Because when you begin to try to fix everybody else's problems, you'll learn really quick you can't fix everybody. You can't help everybody. (laughs) I was getting my hair cut today and I was talking to people inside the barber shop and I said, listen, and, and there was, there was a man that was in the chair next to me, very particular very particular with the, the man that was cutting his hair to the point where the barber was getting aggravated with him. He, where he turned around he looked at the man and he said, listen, you're asking for way too much. And I, I had to agree with the barber there. i like, man, he's, he's cut the same piece of hair ten times. If he goes any closer, you're not going to have nothing left. <laughs> now, I'm watching it go on, and, and he, he came to me and he said, listen, i, I got to apologize. I, I, don't, I don't know if I handled that well or not. I said, you handled it perfectly fine. I said, you didn't cuss him out and the man's still alive. <laughs> and that lady, the lady that was cut my hair. said, now I'm pretty sure since you're a pastor, you probably deal with, with, with particular people all the time. I said, actually, ma'am, to be honest with you, our church isn't that way. We seem to get along very well and, and, and we don't have to have six committees to choose the color of the wall that we're going to paint it. Just paint one that looks good and we'll go with it, Amen. But he was very particular and I remember telling him, I said, Listen, I learned a long time ago. I said, it didn't take me being a pastor to learn this. I learned that that sonic, you can't please everybody. You just can't do it. And when you try to, it becomes a burden, it becomes a struggle. And sometimes I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. I understand. Listen, my kids are growing up, and right now they're they're at that age where where you know they are, you know some are becoming more independent than others. They're beginning to learn how to do things. But I realize that one day there's going to come a time where where I will not be able to fix the problem because if I keep fixing the problems, I'm hurting them instead of helping them. That's what we're trying to learn here when he's saying right here, listen, there's people that are always trying to fix everybody else and it leaves them discouraged. But why? They're not dealing with themselves. They're not dealing with their own problems. So that first example, they're trying to fix everybody else and they'll smart for it. It'll hurt them. It'll, it'll discourage them. The Bible said the second example, it says right there in that, he that hateth suretyship is sure. How in the world can you hate the word suretyship and somehow still be sure? They have the same word in them. Right, but he's talking about that, that, uh, that, that he understands that I can't fix everybody's problems. And really, you got to realize that we aren't called to fix people. Can I say personal sanctification is a full-time job? And if yours isn't, you're doing it wrong. Right, you growing in the Lord and you uh, uh, applying God's word to your life and you doing less of your flesh and then yielding more to the spirit, if that don't take up all your time, how do you, how, you gotta come explain that to me. Right, and you gotta realize that you, if your relationship with God isn't where it's supposed to be, you ain't gonna help nobody. You ain't gonna, you ain't gonna solve any problems. Prove it, preacher, let me ask you. Did Jesus heal every single person that was sick and 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 had a disease and 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 that was broke and old people? Did he did he do that for every single person when he was on planet Earth? The answer is no. Yes, he healed some people. He healed Bartimaeus and he turned the water into wine. But ultimately, his mission, his goal, wasn't to fix all the physical problems. It was to come to be obedient to the Father and die on the cross of Calvary to pay man's sin debt. And sometimes we've got to realize that, that if you're constantly trying to fix everybody else's problem, you're consumed with something that you can't solve. And you're consuming something you can't fix. Let me ask you, you're so busy and consumed with fixing everybody else's problems that you're neglecting what the Lord wants you to do. What he specifically wants you to do in your own life. We see an opposite concerning pledges. Which, which one of those are you attracted to? Which one of those describe you better? Notes number four tonight will be done. We see an opposite concerning classes. We see an opposite concerning classes. Verse 16 down through 22, we have the good class and we have the wrong class. We have the right class and the wrong class, the good class, the bad class, and they're polar opposites. Right? We see the description of both classes. We see the description of the right class. Look what it says in verse number 16. It says, they are, it's a gracious woman, retaineth honor. They're strong. They're gracious. Verse 17. They're merciful. Right? Verse number 18. They, they are, they sow righteousness. Right? They, they goes on to say it later on, they are upright. Right? That is the scripture of the good, the, 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 the right class. The gracious, strong, merciful, righteous, and upright. But then we're also given the scripture of the wrong class. They're cruel, which means they're terrible. They're deadly. They're wicked. They're morally wrong. They're, they're a bad person. They're evil, they're wretched, they're wrong. They're froward, they're crooked, they're perverse, they're perverted. And here's the thing tonight, you say, oh, preacher, we ought not to say that about anybody. But you just look at our society, you it's easy, it's easy to define. Why? Because they're so opposite of each other, right? And in essence tonight, you may be colorblind, right? People that are colorblind, they may not be able to see the difference between reds and blues and greens, but just about everybody can see the difference between black and white. Why? They're polar opposites. One is all, all light. One is void of light. And the same thing is the truth about right and wrong. Right, they're there polar opposites. You don't have to say, "Well, I wonder if they are or not." Just look how they live. Look at their their, their spirit. Look at their mentality. It's the description of right and wrong. Then we see the product of the right class. Verse number sixteen. They retain honor and riches. They retain honor and riches. You mean, preacher? I I I, I can become successful. And I, I could be a person of wealth and I ain't got to cheat on my taxes. I don't have to be, be deceitful to my boss. I, I don't have to lie about that. No, you, you, you can become successful and not lose your testimony. They retain honor and riches, right? They do good to their own soul. In essence, they don't put themselves or they don't allow themselves or they don't do things that cause them regret and, and, and discouragement. Boy, how many of the the person you get mad at the most, more than anybody else, is not someone out there, but it's the person you look at in the mirror. Because you look at yourself like, how in the world can I do that again? (laughs) How in the world can I say that again? How in the world can I do that again? Right, and that's they do things that are good to their own soul. They receive a sure reward, verse number 18. And shall be, but to them that sow with righteousness shall be a sure reward. In essence, tonight, you do what God tells you to do? What God has outlined in the word of God, there is a reward for it. It's a sure reward, right? It's not going to be. He's going to be like, oh, I see that you obeyed me, and you loved me, and you by faith you followed me, and I'm not. I'm not rewarding you for that, right? He's a. He's a reward of those that diligently seek him. Receive us a sure reward. They tend to life. Look at verse 19. And his righteousness tendeth to life. In essence, they, they, they tend to lie, they, they're, they're the product of, a, of the right class, right, of, of the person living for God. The product is that, is that what the life they have now is into others, and it is encouraging them to grow, right? Because if something is alive, it's growing, it's breathing, it's, it's moving in that sense. We see the product of the right class. Then we see the product of the wrong class, verse 17, they trouble with their own flesh. They trouble with their own flesh. They try to make problems for everybody else, they making problems for themselves, Right, they, they 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 work a deceitful work, verse number eighteen. The wicked work of a deceitful work. Right? It, 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 they, are, they are pursuing something that is not honest, it's not it's not a it's not a thing of integrity, it's 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 disrespectful, and they, that's what they pursue after. They work a deceitful work, they pursueeth pursueth their own death. Verse number nineteen. He, so he that pursueth evil pursueth his own death. We've talked about this already in the book of Proverbs. They are setting the trap for somebody else, but really they're setting the trap for themselves. And we see that's the product of the wrong class. Then we see the judgment of the right class. The judgment of the right class. Verse number 20, we see that one, verse number 28, for, but such are as an upright in their way are his delight. God takes delight in the right class, right? God takes delight in those that obey him and listen to him and follow him. Not only does delight them, but verse number 22 tells us, or verse, yeah, verse number 21, he will deliver them. But the seed of the righteous shall be, what? Delivered. He'll deliver them. That's the judgment on them. He delights and they're delivered, right? And tonight, not only does God delight when you, I serve him, we obey him, we share the gospel, we read our Bibles, we pray. God not only delights in that, but how many know that one day he's gonna deliver us? This world's not my home, right? I've got a promise of heaven. He's gonna deliver us one day if you're saved by the grace of God. But a lot of times we get so focused on the deliverance we forget to do what delights him. And it's supposed to be both of us at the same time, the judgment of the right class. Then we see the judgment of the wrong class, verse number 20. It says that they are of a froward heart or an abomination to the Lord. They're opposite, right? The opposite says, God says, I delight in this group. And then God says, I ah, that group's an abomination over there. That group is, is beyond and, and just, it's more despicable than what you can think of. It's an abomination. Then also that they'll also be punished. Look at verse number 21. Though they hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished. The right class, opposite, he delights in them and he delivers them. The wrong class, they're an abomination and they'll be punished. Now tonight, if you got saved by the grace of God, you realize at one point in my life I was in that class because of the grace of God, now I'm in this class and by the grace of God, I don't want to ever act like that class again. I want to do what pleases God and what, what, what he desires out of my life there's also an encouragement right here in verse number 21 so though hand joined in hand well how many just sense it in our country right that it seems like man evil's getting stronger and stronger getting more apparent and more apparent right i I look back at the 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 world that i grew up in when i was in school and coming up it's like man i i can't imagine what some of y'all face at school it seems like it's just getting more prevalent and more in your face and they're getting stronger and stronger. Can I say the entire, the entire world one day is gonna join hand in hand and God's gonna deal with them. They, they may seem strong now, but what they're doing will not go unpunished. God keeps perfect score. He keeps a perfect record tonight. And you have to ask yourselves, I know I'm saved and I know that I'm in this class. Lord, help me. Not to act like I'm back in that class. Not, not, Lord, help me not to act like I know I ought not to act. Let me ask you, which one of the opposite classes are you attracted to tonight? Are you identified by? Boy, there were some classes when I was in high school, I did not want to be in them. My 11th grade English class did not want to be in there. But really,. trying to think of my my least favorite class in all of high school was a class that I took in first period and it was called Ethnic Music. I needed a fine art to graduate. I can't draw. I can't paint. I can't sing. I can't act. But I thought, my goodness. Really? (laughs) I've got straight A's in chemistry too. I've got A's in calculus. I've got A's in my English. I hate it, but I passed it. And, I, and the the guidance guy was like, "Well, Mr. Wagner, if you don't get a fine art, you're not going to graduate." I said, "Really? I, I can do complex algebra, and you're not going to give me a degree because <laughs> I don't have a fine art." And I told him, I said, "I, I don't want to act. I don't want to sing. I can't play an instrument." I, 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 nothing about fine arts is found in me she said Mr. Wagner we have a class for you I said what is it she says ethnic music I said what in the world is that <laughs> she said I'm really not sure but it counts as a fine art and so I showed up the first day of my ethnic music class with the chorus teacher I said they, they don't trick me because I was in the chorus room there's a little stage that you stand up on musical instruments and he come busting out of his, all, all excited and happy I thought Oh, man, here we go. He's fixing to make us sing. We, for six weeks or however long it was a semester, we listened to music every day. And we had to memorize who wrote it, what year it was wrote, and uh, what genre it was. And uh, easiest class I ever took in my whole high school career. But I guarantee you, when I, when I got out of that class, when I passed the class, I didn't say, do you have another one of those? I was done with it. I didn't want to go back to that class. I've I, I done what I, I needed to. Can I say tonight, when it comes to living for God, we know what class God brought us out of. We know what class we're, we are in tonight. We have to ask ourselves, am I acting like I'm in that class? Am i Am acting like I'm in that class tonight? One pleases God he delights in. One he does not delight in. They're polar opposites. Now, what opposites are you attracted to this evening? Let's pray. to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you.